0: Gulton Sheen tells a story about a concentration camp in Germany during the Second World War called Dachau. There were 5,000 priests in Dachau. Whenever a priest in the occupied countries spoke out against the Nazis in Holland, Belgium, France, Poland, he was put on the next train to Dachau. 3,000 of them were killed in the most brutal ways imaginable. One survivor was interviewed by Fulton Sheen, who told him how they were the servants of the people, so they were human horses. They had to pull carts around the place. And dressed in prison uniform, they had to pull carts down to the local railway station to load and unload various things. On one of these occasions, they contrived to make one of the wheels fall off cart outside the house of the local parish priest. In the commotion, the priest came out and they spoke to him in Latin. They didn't know German. They told him, we are priests, we need bread and wine. And so on subsequent trips down to the railway station, the parish priest smuggled out to them a little bit of bread, maybe a grape, sometimes some wine, on various occasions. And late at night, back at the camp, after curfew, under penalty of instant death, they would gather to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass, taking it in turns to be the main celebrant in small groups. Now, this survivor described how much the Mass meant to them. It was the consolation of their lives. He said it was Christ coming to us in our Calvary. Fulton Sheen comments that these people got so much out of the Mass because they brought so much to the Mass. They brought their sacrifices. And so the sacrifice of the Mass is the unbloody renewal of the sacrifice of Calvary, where Christ, through the ministry of the priest, offers himself to his Heavenly Father in the form of bread and wine. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the Mass makes Calvary present to us. And if you like, when we are present at Mass, we get transported back to the foot of the cross. And so the Mass is like a time machine. And so whether we're physically present at Mass, whether we follow Mass online these days, the Mass doesn't lose its meaning for us. Sometimes people say, well I don't get too much out of the Mass. But the Mass is not like a supermarket. We don't go there to get things out of it. We have to bring things to the Mass. We have to bring our sacrifices. And when we bring our pains, our worries, our concerns, the contradictions of life, the challenges, the problems, the pieces of bad news, and the ups and downs of every day, and we place them on the pattern. We unite them to the sacrifice of Christ, to be offered to His heavenly Father, and so all those little things of every day acquire a redemptive value. Nothing is lost. Everything has meaning. It has value. A lady asked me once, Father, when I turn on my computer, can that be redemptive? The answer is yes. That little pressing of a button, united to the sacrifice of Christ, acquires a redemptive value, an infinite value. And so in and through the Mass, everything takes on meaning. That's one of the reasons why the Church has said in her documents that the Mass is the summit and the source of the whole Christian life. The summit is that to which everything is directed. You're going to climb Mount Kenya, Kilimanjaro, and your every little bit of preparation, and every step is directed towards the summit. And the source is that from which all things flow. And so it makes an awful lot of sense to get to Mass as often as we can. It's from there that the graces flow for our marriage, for our family, for our work, for our health, for our spiritual progress, for the whole of society. A couple of years ago, a lady stood up at a get together in Colombia with Bishop Javier Echevarria, the president of Opus Day, and she said, Father, I was a Lutheran. And my daughter, who was Lutheran, began to attend a centre of Opus day for young girls. She began to study there, and and then she began to attend some classes of formation. And I got a bit worried, and when my daughter came back from these classes of formation, we used to talk about it. And that led to some stand-up rows. because little by little, I could see my daughter losing her Lutheran faith. And then there came a day when she started to attend Mass. Horror of horrors. I thought, this is the end of my daughter. And so he had further arguments. And then she challenged me to come to Mass with her. And so I went to Mass with her. And now I want to tell you, Father, that the, the Mass is the joy of my life. It's a rather beautiful statement. In that short statement, she was really saying, I have learned to bring all my troubles and my worries and my concerns and my pains and place them on the pattern and unite them to the sacrifice of Christ. So I let him take care of all of these things. I offer them to him. And that makes me as well as light as a feather doesn't take away the difficulties and the crosses and the concerns and the worries, but it does give them greater meaning. And so the Mass also can be the joy of our life. And if we find it a bit difficult to follow an online Mass, well, that's an extra little sacrifice that we can offer to our Lord. Something that he has brought our way. Possibly also to help us to grow in our understanding of the mass and in our sense of value and of treasure because we realize how important it is, the center and the root of our interior life, the summit and the source, how much we need the mass. And over time In our life and hopefully God gives us the grace to be able to grow in our understanding of what we're assisting at. It's a mystery. We never fully understand it. But little by little God can give us the grace to get a little optical angle here and there. That's why it's very good to follow the words of the Mass that the priest is saying with your eyes. You may find that from time to time a a word or a phrase jumps up out of the page and hits you in the face, or suddenly you come to understand the, the value of that word or that sentence, or its meaning, or it comes to be a little bit more special to you. The priest told me once in Ireland how he was going to say Mass for some nuns, and he asked the sister in charge, Sister, would you like me to say a few words during the Mass? She answered, saying, Well, Father, should the Mass have words enough of its own? In other words, no. But he said, I was very impressed with the way that she said it. Here was somebody who had learned to savour the words of the Mass, to savour the beauty and the richness of the liturgy. Possibly there are Few legacies of greater value that you can leave your children than your regular attendance at Mass. It shows them what you really believe in, shows them how your family hangs together, how you solve your problems, helps to us faith in the eternal wedding feast which we are preparing for. And the church invites us to take very good care of our Sunday Mass. That was to be a priority in our life, something that's not negotiable in our family. As your children get a bit older, possibly they have to go to mass on their own, they want a bit of independence. But in principle, in this Christian home, everybody goes to mass on Sunday, and we give it importance. So if we're traveling, we go to mass the night before or we get up earlier and we make sure we get mass or if we're travelling internationally we'll check out on the internet to see where our hotel is and where the, the local church is and we have it all prepared before we arrive we don't leave it to the last minute because this is something important and the church obliges us under penalty of mortal sin to attend mass on Sundays unless we're sicker, it's absolutely impossible. If we're in the middle of China on a Sunday and there's no Mass within a thousand miles, well obviously we can't get to Mass, but we try not to be in the middle of China on a a Sunday, although now all the Masses in China in principle are valid. So we move heaven and earth to get to Mass. There was a story of a lady in the early 60s who was in the States and she wanted to go to Confession to Padre Pio in Italy. So she flew across the Atlantic. She landed in Rome early in the morning. She went to her hotel. She was feeling tired. She decided she would lie down and take a nap and catch a late morning mass. In those days before the Vatican Council there were no evening masses. And she fell asleep and she slept the sleep of the just and she woke up at three o'clock in the afternoon. And she had missed Mass. She didn't mean to miss Mass and so she knew she had not committed a mortal sin. And the following day she went to Pieter where St. Padre Pio was and she went to confession to him and she confessed her sins and when she was finished she said is that everything and she said yes and he said are you sure and she said yes And he said, well, what about yesterday when you flew across the Atlantic and you landed in Rome you were tired and you lay down and you took a nap and you slept the sleep of the just and you woke up at three o'clock? He could read souls. He said, I know you didn't commit a mortal sin because you didn't mean to miss Mass, but your negligence hurt our Lord. This is the way the saints functioned. They didn't just look at their venial sins, their mortal sins. They looked at their negligences. When we go to confession, it can be a good idea to look at the areas of our spiritual life, for different virtues, where we've been negligent. As a father of a family, as a husband, as a son of God, as a professional person, about our spiritual life, our professional life, our apostolic life—all sorts of different things, and particularly our negligences in relation to the summit and the source of the spiritual life. One of the apostolates that God wants us to do in the world is to try and promote the Mass and its importance. We do that by our regular attendance. But also, if you have, well, some town or village or country that you come from or you're in contact with or you travel to occasionally, try and see what you can do to, to build up the liturgical items in that church or station, Because there's some little kid there that's coming to Mass. Maybe that kid has a vocation. God wants to use you to build up the Mass so that that Mass can have all the effects in the soul of that young person that he wants it to have. So that we bring the Mass with all its greatness and richness to every last person on the planet and help them to get that sense of greatness of the Mass and importance. Then he took bread and when he had given thanks He broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our Lord didn't say, this is a symbol of my body. This is a figure of my body. He said, this is my body. And so that word is the basis of our faith in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ on the altar in the tabernacle. Christ is with us, He is there, He's in His church. It's one of the basic truths of our whole faith, central truth of our life. We're called to be Eucharistic souls. So the real presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament means an awful lot to us. And to be able to receive our Lord in Holy Communion is something very important. And so it's good to work at the fervor of our Communions. As in every Missal or in booklets like the Christian Devotions, there are prayers before Mass and prayers after Mass of the saints, to Thomas Aquinas in Bonaventure, these are all very good prayers to pray to help us to be a little bit more aware of what we're doing. So that we don't develop a routine, and we don't get used to things. Sometimes, great treasures that we're very close to, we can get a bit accustomed. And so, from time to time, we need wake up calls. An lady in another country told me once how she grew up without any religion. And then she tried Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism and different isms. And then she discovered Christianity. And her first encounter was evangelical Christianity. And then she discovered Catholicism. And eventually she converted to Catholicism. And one day she told me, Father, I think I'm becoming more and more Catholic. Because I find I don't like long homilies anymore. A 45-minute sermon on a Sunday before was fine because that's all that there was. But now, after 10 minutes of the homily, I feel like saying to the priest, Okay, Father, thank you very much. That's enough. Now, let's get on with what's really important. They were very beautiful words. They were like a wake-up call. We need to be reminded about what is really important. We can think a whole pile of things in our life are really important, but really there's only one thing that is really important. The real presence of our Lord on the altar in the tabernacle. And the priest doesn't say this is the body of Christ. He says this is my body. When he's giving Holy Communion, he says, this is the body of Christ. He says, this is my body because we believe that in the Mass, the priest is acting in what we call in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. Christ takes over his words, his actions, his being. This is one of the reasons why the priest wear special vestments in the Mass. In the Mass, the priest is Christ. There was a lady in the States once who said she had a vision during the Mass of Christ coming down and merging into the back of the priest and a little light coming on above his head saying, I oh. don't know how true that vision was, but that's a very orthodox doctrine. That's what we believe is taking place. It's Christ who works in the miracle of the transubstantiation. Whereby the substance of the bread and wine is changed into the substance of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Christ becomes really, truly and substantially present in the sacred host. And he says, this is my body given for you. That verb unites the Last Supper with Calvary. Given for you. He foretells the sacrifice of Calvary. That's why the Mass is not just a renewal of the Last Supper. It's a renewal of the sacrifice of Calvary. It's a real sacrifice. And likewise, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Those two verbs prefigure what's going to take place on Calvary, foretell it. And that is symbolized in the consecration by the separation of the body and blood of Christ. The body is on the paten, the blood is in the chalice. The month of July is the church Dedicates this month to the precious blood of Christ. Very beautiful devotion. There is a vote of mass of the precious blood of Christ. In benediction, we say the words, Blessed be his most precious blood. It's a rather interesting devotion to foster, to read a little bit about. Focus on the blood of Christ, the blood that flowed in streams down his body which is symbolic of sacrifice and we may get distracted at mass why do we get distracted well because we're we're human beings we're like little children little children can't concentrate for a moment they get distracted all the time but very consoling can be the words of our Lord that says Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That can be very consoling when you're present at Mass and you find that your mind is in Hawaii. There was a book by a priest in the States called Leo Trese in the 1950s. It's called Vessel of Clay, where he describes this reality very clearly. Talks about how being a priest, he can be very vested in the sacristy, very aware of what he's going to do, preparing himself with prayers, reminding himself. He's about to celebrate the great sacrifice of the Mass. And then he goes out to the altar and he genuflects at the foot of the altar. And then a thought goes through his mind, which is, I wonder what's on the menu for breakfast. And then he recollects himself again and he goes up and he kisses the altar He's back now aware of what he's about to do. And then he goes to the lectern, begins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you, and also with you. And the next thought that goes through his mind is Manchester United 3, Chelsea 1. So he has the football results from the previous night. And so on all through the Mass, swinging from the sublime to the ridiculous. The mind wandering in all sorts of ways. So he recommends having certain wake-up calls during the Mass, like Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. So we come back from wherever we are and focus again on what's taking place, or holy, 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 or when the bell rings in the consecration. Wake-up calls that bring us back from the Hawaii's to where we may have strayed. And if we have the words of the liturgy in front of us, well, that can help us to concentrate a little better. And not to be worried by our wanderings, and to get consolation from those words of our Lord that we have to be like little children. But little by little, our Father God takes us by the hand and leads us forward to a deeper appreciation of what's taking place. The Second Vatican Council talks a lot about participation in the man. That doesn't mean an external participation. Only one person can read the readings, only one person can bring up the gifts. But the Church is talking particularly about interior participation. Every person in the congregation can have a profound interior unity to what's taking place on the altar. So that the Mass can truly become the joy of our life. And hopefully we can give witness to many other people. I heard a story once about two guys who had stopped going to Mass in their late teen years. They borrowed their father's car one day and they went for a a drive in the mountains. And they saw an elderly man coming across the fields and he was lame or handicapped. They were good guys so they decided to give him a lift and asked him where he was going. And he said he was going to Mass. And the church was still a few kilometers away he was walking all the way to mass so they drove him to mass and then they left him there and then they thought well we better do the decent thing and we have nothing really to do so we could hang around and drive him back to where he came from and while they were sitting in the car park they decided well we we may as well go into mass and so they went into mass there was a priest hearing confessions so they went to confession they were able to receive communion and afterwards they drove the man back to where they had picked him up and he went off across the fields. He didn't say anything to them. He didn't give them a lecture about not going to Mass. He didn't give out to them. But he did give them his silent witness of how important the Mass was in his life. Often in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our parish, in our office. Let me be the sort of witness that God wants us to give. I heard of a man once who was attending a conference in another city, and after the morning session, they were going to lunch, and he was with a friend of his, but he said, Look, I'll catch up with you later. I'm just going to catch Mass, and then I join you for lunch. And the friend heard that he was going to Mass, he said, well, I'll come along with you. And I haven't been to Mass for a couple of years. But then when he went to Mass, he recognised the priest. The priest had been in the class of his younger brother in school 40 years previously. And so after the Mass, he went to greet the the priest, and they chatted a little bit, and well, eventually that was the beginning of that man going back to Mass after three years. Because a colleague of his had given him that example of what was important in his life. He hadn't bent on the what you're going to think or what you're going to say or maybe other people will make a joke of this. He lived his faith in that moment. A great example. And so every day is a great moment for us to give that sort of example to people around us, to blaze a trail give witness to what we really believe in. And it's possible that that silent witness in our home is our gracious legacy to our children. They see what's really important in our life. And in every Mass, Our Lady is present. She was present at Calvary, and so she's present with St. Joseph at every Mass. We ask Our Lady, she will help us to participate more and better in the Mass. This week we have the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. On Thursday we can ask her in a special way as we come to this feast day that she might help us to grow in our love for the holy sacrifice of the altar. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.